What up, FIFA Tears, and welcome to the Free Foot Tears podcast on a very, very sweltering day. It's 35 degrees where I am right now. I've had to turn off the fan so that you don't hear it in the recording. But I am joined today by Brad and special guest, Crafty V. How are you both doing today? Hot. Sweltering. Sweaty as anything, mate. Sweaty yeah. as anything. Yeah. Feeling like you just come out of a swimming pool or something like that, yeah? Well, I mean, literally, like, about 15, half an hour before we started doing this, I actually had a cool slash cold bath, and I'm still absolutely <laughs> boiling. Um, those that are on YouTube can just see my hair is an absolute mess, because there's no point in doing anything now, because you just sweat through it anyway, so. Footies is now here, and I would say Footies is the most fun point in the FIFA calendar for myself because obviously it's that time where you can be a bit chilled and relaxed when it comes to playing FIFA but obviously we've got a situation where we have had a change to footies this year as well so normally in previous years we've had a footy vote and only one of those players wins it but this year they've decided two players will win each vote. So last week we got given the option between Aaron Wambasaka, Luis Diaz, which LAJS, Lukey Boy, made a call and prediction on him potentially getting a footies card not that long ago on a previous episode of the podcast. And Havertz has been given it. But then also on top of that, to spice things up, they've changed the chemistry and how they work yes. the footies cards. So some there is two types of footies, but the like Havertz and Diaz who won the vote, they get like foot hero style chemistry, yeah. which I think is absolutely fantastic. The fact that they can now link to anybody, strong link to anybody from the same league. league. Now, you two, what do you think to this with what EA are doing with the fact that they are A, giving it to two people rather than one, and then giving them the Foot Heroes style chemistry. Crafty? Uh, so for me, one, the chemistry. I, I really like that idea. I think it just kind of opens up a lot more possibilities and kind of avenues to like make new teams, fit them into teams that maybe you couldn't quite do it for, especially with um, Chelsea not having too many specialists this year due to obvious reasons. Um, this kind of a bit more limited, particularly for Havertz, I think. So I think that extra Greenland to all the Premier, uh, Premier League players is really good for him, particularly. Uh, Diaz as well, because he's a Colombian, and I guess you can get strongest Liverpool players, but Colombian links maybe is a bit more well, hard to do in general. It's really nice to get links to him. Uh, and yeah, I think, I think it just freshens up the 30s. I think it just gives it a whole new avenue to go down. It's not kind of the same old, something's different. And yeah, it's just quite, it's quite positive to see them trying something different. I mean, you do say Chelsea and uh, the links, but there is also the objective cards for Chelsea where yeah. Mason Mount and Reese James have both been given them. So they're definitely making up for the fact that Chelsea haven't been able to have special cards for so long because now, what, in the last few weeks we've had Kante shapeshifters and now these three guys on top of that. So that's four Chelsea special cards in about two weeks, I think it is. Yeah, and I think we knew at this point that was probably going to happen, wasn't it? Because it's not really, you know, it's not... I was just like saying it's like not their fault. It's not their fault that they haven't got special cards in FIFA, but at the same time, I suppose they don't really care in the in the grand scheme of why they weren't on FIFA. But yeah, the reason obviously behind it makes sense, but now they can kind of... They've got the sort of free reign to now redeem that 
and um, and put more special cards in there. So it doesn't bother me that there is some in there. And and it, the only thing that EA would do if they didn't do Chelsea players would just recycle other players that have already had special cards anyway. So um, so yeah, so it's nice to actually see some see some boosted cards and that. I agree. I think this hero style chemistry thing is brilliant, especially um, like Crafty said for like the obscure nation players and not just the ones given it like like Diaz for Colombia I think if you've got like your team of the season Salah that you may you may have packed untradeable but you weren't really rocking a Premier League team it now means that he gets a strong link off these players so you can kind of now make a lot cooler hybrids uh, with some cooler players than before and like you said with the Havertz thing it's like not a lot of not a lot of Chelsea, although as we just said, there are a couple more now. But also in the Bundesliga, actually, there's not a lot that are Germans. In the Bundesliga, a lot of them are different nations that are, that have got special cards. They're not all German players, so it yeah, it's nice that he's got a strong link, so that you don't have to try and find like a German player to hybrid with. You can actually now get him a strong link somewhere else, and then go and build off wherever you want. Mm, exactly. Have you guys uh, used any? of the main sort of like footies cards obviously the other three to mention about that have come out is Cavalero for Fulham Depaul for Atletico Madrid and the other one was in Barbu's objective card for Wolfsburg so seven in total that have come out but have you guys used any of them um personally it's quite bad I haven't actually used any footies cards so far this year um the reason is, as as you know, um, I I struggle to play about five star scalers due to my play style. So right now I have, I think I've got two, I've got all four of my front four five star scalers, and three of them also have five star weak foot. So it's kind of for me if I don't have that, I usually won't really tend to look what's card unless they're a massive exception. I feel like I might actually get Havertz done because I feel the strong link to um, mount and restraints might be too good to just walk out on. Um, I also mm. like the look of the uh, I forget his name, is it Ivan Cavallero from Fulham, he looks quite interesting uh, maybe as a wee super sub um, but yeah, those are kind of the main ones I'm looking at, I'm slightly disappointed in myself I haven't actually done them, I've got to plug all my fodder into the upgradable packs like your icons, your uh, your fighties picks, stuff like that, but yeah, yeah definitely need to get on that I'm, I'm the same same ilk, I like don't get time like to come on here and play it like to do all those objectives and play it that freely so I can only like most of the time I'm just kind of doing SBCs on my phone, so I've definitely taken advantage of like the campaign player bags, the picks, and you know all that sort of stuff. And tonight the 85 times 10, but in terms of actual players, no, I've not done a single one. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I will actually either, which is quite poor, I suppose. But I've just kind of like it does feel like it died off. Shapeshifters for me was like the one now this is the time when it's fun but all i really want to do right now is to have that 85 times 10 and just just pack some special cards i'm not bothered about uh doing objectives for players at this stage anymore mm, i mean i've done diaz mount and reese james i haven't actually used mount and reese james yet but diaz i have enjoyed using him so far i mean i've been a big fan of Luis Diaz anyway, especially from the early game when I got hot, I brought his first inform because that was yeah. like in Team of the Week 1 and then I used his headliners, so I've been quite familiar and the fact that this is like the really juiced up, beefed up version of him 
is very good. But again, he's one of those cards that I think, even though he's a winger, he's not really suited for a wing sort of position. I don't think many people anyway on FIFA tend to use wingers in game like they always switch to more more narrow like formations so i use say for instance for triple two but i know a lot of people might use four one two one two in game as well so someone like using him as um, a left striker or right striker that would be um a good sort of situation i would say yeah he also took an interesting cam for me i personally support him to narrow um and i feel like he'd be very good as either your 10 who kind of stays up Links up play, can take a few long shots from extra from edge of the box, and both feet would be perfect. Uh, also, I think uh, the way a lot of people play the 4 and 2 and 2 this year, you have kind of one attacking center mid who kind of pushes up, joins the attack, one kind of more box to box who stays central in defense, and then the DM. Uh, so I think he might even be good in the kind of attacking center mid role, kind of pushes up from deep and kind of plays naturally on the wing in defense. So I feel like that'd be a really interesting role for him personally. Do you, do you play narrow formations in game? I'm I'm mixed, so I've I've had a lot of phases this year where some formations I've just gone through. Uh, I've gone through formations like anything this year, honestly. I started off in a four-three-one narrow. Uh, that's kind of like always what I start off with. I think for like probably a good six years, I use only that formation. Uh, but okay. I've recently kind of been changing. I switched to a four-one-two narrow uh, pretty quickly on early in the game. Then I switched to a three-five-two and a five-two-one-two because I felt like the kind of three back slash five back. It's a really effective way to defend, particularly against um, against kind of the the, the what's the word of them the overtop through balls from deep, which were really overpowered for a, a yes. large part of, uh, of this year. So that was kind of why I switched to that. And then when they got nerfed a bit, I switched back to a four two to narrow. And I feel like that if you kind of do the instructions correctly with a four four two in defense and a four two narrow attack is really really good. Fair enough. Yeah, I've played. I've not changed all year. I always play the four three one two. And then if I start to go behind and I, I switched to a I think a three five two but yeah I, I do i like the four three one two it's been my favorite formation all year for for those that don't know crafty he is very good at fifa i would say i i, I put him in the top percentile for quality of this game because he is, you get you get at least minimum rank two i don't think rank two is at least 17 wins i can't remember what the actual wins are but you you get rank one sometimes as well don't you you're making me blush um i think the minimum i get is your rank three actually i've had 60 a few a uh, few times i usually try and get okay. rank two and above which is 18 uh i've not quite ah, got 20 okay. no, which which haunts me to this day i've had a four i've had five four five six rank ones uh and every single time i've bottled around like the 15th like 10th to 15th game i'll just get one game where i just can't score for the life of me I just end up losing on pens or an extra type or something like that, which is always frustrating, but uh, it's the game this year. I think, um, yeah, you have to be a properly like borderline pro to get consistent 20 notes this year. It's pretty mental. But still, get getting at least 16 wins, like listening to advice that you have, like tactics or something like that, is always definitely worthwhile. I know people can sometimes come into like my streams and say, have you got any tips and stuff like that? But I'm like... I just get like 11 wins. I can give you some tips, but I'm not like a pro player. My t my, my tactics just work for me. Because that, that's the other thing when it comes to FIFA. Like, everyone plays a different way. Yeah. So, like, 
I could have tactics that work for me, but they might not work for another person because they might play a bit more of a more patient style football. Whereas, and I just like fucking getting that ball as far up the pitch as quick as possible, basically. Which means I do like lose a lot of possession quite easily through silly just mistakes like trying to play long balls and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely worth listening to Crafty. I say, you got you got some. T have you got any actually advice t TikToks on your? TikTok channel or YouTube. It's something yeah, that I've of... always thought about doing. I've never kind of got round. I've got one tactics video up, I think, when I when I got. Um, I think I beat. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I beat a pro who was like pretty good. I think it was like the top three French pros this year, uh, last year, and then that blew up when I put it on TikTok. So I kind of did a tactics video off the back of that, but I haven't really okay. updated my tactics since. Um, I think this year is really strange. I don't know if you guys are watching the FIFA E uh, World Cup that was on this weekend. I was quite uh, interested in it because there's a lot of different tactical styles and different ways of playing the game are involved. Like you think everyone's going to try and spam through balls, everyone's going to lose lots of skill moves. It's, it's honestly the furthest thing from it. One of the guys there was playing a 4-3-1, a 4-5-1 flat the whole time, which is not very usual at all, and he got all the way to the final as well. So it's not like he was bad by any stretch. Uh, yeah. And then you've got people who are using 5 backs, you've got people who are using 4-3-2-1s, 4-3-1-2s, all sorts. Of this year's one of the best things about this year is there's no like dominant formation. For a long time, four three one narrow was a thing. Nobody varied from it, or you'd have to be a brave man to vary from it. But now this year, it's like you're getting probably a mix of ten formations every weekend league, which is just really nice. It gives you a different challenge every weekend. Mm. But talking about foot champs, as we've gone on a bit of a side tangent there from footies, they've made changes to the foot champs this week as well. So they've made changes to the red picks and the like team of the week slash team of the season pack that they've had so now the red picks although they're not red picks anymore either so you can get team of the season or shapeshifter players over a minimum rating and then the which is this is a bit dodgy is the whole like because of the high ranking you now get a team of the season or a shapeshifters player pack for finishing 14 wins plus but the higher ranks only get one pack now rather than like get an extra for finishing higher what do you make of that actually crafty do you think that's a bit annoying from ea doing something like that or do you think uh, you're not too fussed about it on one hand i think it's a bit strange i don't understand why they've taken away a lot of the packs at top level like for me i finished rank mm. two this weekend i for rank two you mean i've lost twice one on pens one in a pretty BS game. So it's like I was borderline 1920. Uh, and for that, you get one tradable 92 plus shapeshifter player pick or 92 plus e figs or toss or shapeshifter player pick. No, player actually. Sorry, it's one pack. So 92 plus shapeshifter or yeah. e figs toss player. Sorry, I butchered right. that, which is tradable. And uh, with my pack, look, I got our night of it shapeshifter went for 30k. So I mean. Wow. 18 wins for a 30k player is interesting. It, the picks are quite nice. I do like the picks. I only got two. You only yeah. got two picks now at 18 instead of three, which you get quite like all the time previously. Mm. Uh, although they are much better, so I can kind of understand it on that front. Um, but yeah, the only strange thing for me is just the lack of kind of like the, the what the, replace the a team of the week, or team of the season pack. Yeah. Well, that that's it because last week 
when team of seasons were going for quite a hefty amount or even a couple of weeks, you got your free team of season players, you're guaranteed like 200 K plus K. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I've got Whereas the 200 K to 30 K <laughs> finishing the same yeah. rank. Mental. It, it's, it's just not right. I don't know what goes through EA's mind when they make decisions like this. It's, so it's flabbergasting. Uh, it's like, to be fair, what they should have done is maybe gone back to where the, the 11 wins gives out a special pack like that. And then the 11 wins is just the one player. So that at least then they feel like they're generally getting something worthwhile from the 11 wins because they haven't had that since Team of the Seasons began. But then at the 18 wins or even rank three and stuff... They give you the free player pack still by shapeshifters or team of season. So again, so you feel like you you're still getting something worthwhile, and you got that opportunity to get a ten mil player like yeah. Genoa or something. Yeah, I think it, I think what I've what I see EA doing for it is they're trying to scale down rewards so you kind of earn less coins through foot champs, and you're kind of more reliant on the SPCs. That's kind of what I think their game plan is to try and kind of winch people off foot champs maybe buy more packs to get uh do so you can do complete all the spcs but i mean i don't know it's a stranger there's no real logic behind it unless that's what they're doing in my opinion i don't know what you guys think about that well yeah his logic is usually it's just whatever there's money isn't it it's, it's, that's their only logic it's the only thing they care about um so i don't, I don't really know but i mean yeah it seems it does seem strange i i kind of i stopped playing foot champs um after ultimate tots so i haven't been affected by this um that was when i decided that was over for me so yeah i haven't had to go through this fortunately hmm. i mean the other thing that e well it's not really ea but twitch have got the new twitch prime pack for this month out hmm. as well haven't really looked at what it is but i'm guessing it's probably the usual two player picks 82 plus plus like one lone player and then five to seven gold rare players and uh probably uh, i was gonna say and then a loan special card but what do they really give maybe a shapeshifters loan or something like that in fact let me see if i can find it would have out. to it maybe be better off just giving another loan prime icon moments right now because really you know everybody like unless it's basically a loan brazilian prime icon moments everybody's got most players at this point i imagine yeah, I feel like the the lone players is a bit. I wouldn't say pointless because I can kind of understand it from the point of view of people who don't have too many coins. But it's how, it's, a, it's a bit played out at this oh, point. I think you could probably give some. How do you feel better. about it? <laughs> oh no, it's gone backwards. How to, do you feel about it? Pack. Oh, I've just I've just seen what you get in front of it. That's woeful. <laughs> yeah, you get just the one player pick with Twitch Prime Pack this week. It is eighty three minimum on the player pick. But you only get the one. Oh no, yeah, just the one player pick. Wow, not two. So they've taken. I'm a glad that's worth my subscription to Amazon. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so how do you feel about loans though, in general? Like, because obviously, you play competitively. So, uh, 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 when you play competitively, are they not allowed? I assume. Uh, yeah, loans aren't allowed. So, do you I... think that should be the case for foot champs in general, as that is like a competitive mode? <laughs> It doesn't really bother me. I can kind of understand it. Uh, I think, I mean, if you, for example, you'd one win off like your best, which is, let's just say it's like 14 or whatever, and you again come against someone who's got like a lone 90 Ginola, a lone Prime Ronaldo, a lone like 
Vieira, whatever. I can feel, yeah. I can, I can understand we feel hard done by, but I think the thing about loans now is I, I like them for the point of view they're good and friendlies. I think that's a really good addition uh, that you can actually use them in friendlies, or you can use at least one in friendlies usually, and they don't actually take away games. I actually, do, I do quite like that because it kind of gives you yeah. more options, particularly for one league for all those sorts of things. In Thought Champs, uh, I don't, I don't really. My opinion is just I don't really mind. I can understand people wouldn't want them. I can also understand people would want them because, let's be honest, if you don't use them in Thought Champs, when are you actually going to use the games on apart from friendlies? You're not really going to do, are you? Like, who cares enough about rivals to use for a loan? So yeah, uh, you'll never use the games up. But I mean, exactly. I suppose the only other time you might or the other place you might use them is if like you got a squad battles like on Swaps Objective and you've not really kept players in your club then you might use your loans there for however many games you've got them for. But yeah, generally, like I, I, I think that given that Foot Champs is the competitive mode for FIFA where like it's basically, it's the time for people that want to play FIFA seriously to play FIFA seriously, I think they should be banned or or limited to one, the same as like they do with the objectives, loan max one, you know, so you can only do one. I think having to come against like, like you say, sometimes you can feel the desperation of that final two wins that people need when they uh, suddenly turn up with a lean, lone team of the season, Ronaldo. Um, you know, and you think, oh, why, why, why have I come up against this now? I feel like a loan always plays better than the real player as well. I'm pretty sure they juice the loans just to make you try and buy them. <laughs> oh, that would be a new tin hat theory. Honestly, whenever I play a loan card, they always do me in. Whereas, like uh, a normal card, just won't do this. Have the same effect. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Maybe yeah, it's an no, I, thing, but who knows? Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not really a huge fan of loans. To be fair, like, yeah. Apart from every now and again, just trying them out. So, like for instance, I got to try out shapeshifters, Kante, whilst doing friendlies and stuff. But... Oh, see, I just packed him. That's easier. Well, if you if you got that level of pack luck, I don't. I'm lucky. Pack, you. I, the amount of the amount of icon packs I've had this year that have been absolutely horrendous. I was so glad to see him come out of a pack. Honestly, it's just far too late in the game. EA, give me something a bit earlier in the year, please. Although, worry, although gets... right right at the end now, as we get footies, and literally, I think that was day two of footies. I packed team of the year Ronaldo and team of the year Messi. So. So there you go. It's that time of the year anyway where pack luck goes through the roof. Yeah. So that is it for uh, FIFA 22 stuff, but there is a little bit of stuff to talk about with FIFA 23. So EA have released a cover for FIFA 23, and we've got two cover stars for FIFA 23. So we have Kylian Mbappe, who's part of the ambassador program, wherever it is, with EA. And then we have got Lee, a female footballer. So we've got Sam Kerr as well. So we've got both sides of the game being represented yeah. on the cover of FIFA 23. Uh, nothing special to talk about, to be fair, because it's just a cover, really. It's not going to affect FIFA 23 gameplay or anything Oh, it's like not going to stop people buying it or change people's no. things on buying it. It's, it's nice to see. Um, and, like, if, we, if they could have... If 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 they could have pushed it one further, there may be something for like, you know, what what has been coming out recently, of as in people stepping out of, um, you know, the shadows they've been feeling like they've had to live in, would have been another nice addition. But mm-hmm. this is this is a step in the right direction, hey. So, and then on top of that, then they've said that the tr- teaser trailer 
is going to drop on the 20th. So that's only two days away from recording. So by the time this podcast comes out, that'll be the day of the release of the trailer. Mm -hmm. So next week on the podcast, we'll get to talk a bit more about FIFA 23. And then that is probably going to be when the pre-orders go live. So we'll have a bit more details. We do know because of leaks and stuff, but we're not going to discuss it on the podcast because we don't like talking too much about leaks, but we roughly know what is going to be available in the pre-orders for Ultimate Edition and stuff. And I've also found out some other interesting about like release date and stuff. Again, can't really go into that. So we're going to go away from FIFA stuff now and we're going to go into transfer news. So we've got obviously some transfers that we have discussed before that have now finally been finalized. So we've got Rafinha going to Barcelona. Lewandowski is pretty much going to Barcelona. Is that's be the bid has been confirmed, but it's just like his medical and then obviously agreeing contract terms, which I would imagine is probably already been agreed. But his contract terms were already agreed beforehand. It was a three-year deal. And I can't remember how oh, much, yeah, but yeah, it was a three-year deal. Yeah. It was every, everything was just basically waiting for them to somehow come up with the fifty million or whatever it was they needed. So, and then Ericsson has also confirmed for Man United. Then mm-hmm. sticking with Man United, they have also signed Lissandro Martinez. So that is one of Ten Hag's former players at Ajax so linking back up together now at Man United for, that was 57 million interesting price I've got to say for that sort of one is he worth 57 million obviously to Ten Hag he probably is but that's the thing isn't it I suppose you got to trust the guy that knows him yep and the thing is is he can play in a multitude of positions so he's played at CDM he's played at centre back as well so I guess he's going to be probably like a versatility player yeah. for Man United. I think for me, the value is always inflated, mainly because it's Man United buying and it's a Premier League club buying. Like if you look at some of Ajax's other sales window, you've got Gravenberg to Bayern for twenty million, who, like, he's just as hyped as um, Martinez, if not more. So that's yeah. an interesting one. He's he's not less than half the price. You've also got um, Aller going to the Bundesliga. He was their top goal scorer. He scored the most goals in the Champions League for thirty million. So it's obviously it's a Premier League tax, which is why it's taken up the price, especially Man United mm-hmm. as well. You know they've got money to spend, and obviously with some ten ten high leads, they're probably going to be desperate. So I, can, I understand the price is obviously a bit of an overpay in my opinion. The interesting for me about him is he's five foot five, which now I don't like. You don't want to play up <laughs> someone's like size or stature too much, but that yeah. is significantly small as a centre back. Yeah. That, I highly doubt he'll play centre back unless he play a three. He can't. It's no way. Imagine, imagine you get someone like a Jimenez up against him, who's six foot three, ridiculous in the air. That's not happening, surely. <laughs> That'd no. be suicide. But, no, he's got. A bit, surely he's going to be playing like the the Kante role. Surely. Yeah, you think I think he can cover left back as well, which is obviously quite nice if Luke Shaw goes down. But um, but yeah, I just assume he play midfield. That might not be a defensive fielder. Badly, yeah. I think he'll do a good job in there for them. I did not realise he was that short, to be fair. Small guy, really small. I used to my foot chance wow. off the bench. He was woeful. It was a while back, though. Um, probably isn't relevant to his uh, football career, but anyway. All right. And then Koulibaly has gone to Chelsea for an undisclosed fee, according to the BBC's website. 
Now that's an interesting one because I recently saw a interview with the Napoli manager who said if Koulibaly was sold because he was the last of the big names left of that club, he was going to quit. So now that he's signed for Chelsea, I want to see if this Napoli manager follows through with what he said like, at the end of last season and the transfer window because... Koulibaly's gone to Chelsea, which is probably a good signing for Chelsea because of the fact that they do need to get a few centre-backs in to make well, up yeah, for the fact that they were losing everybody, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, I mean, Aspie's signed back with them, so they did manage to get somebody back, but yeah, they still need to get somebody. I mean, they have got rumours that they're going to try and pursue Kuyunde and maybe even look at Kimpembe because of the fact that Thomas Tuchel worked with him at PSG as well. The only thing the only thing I'd say there is though that we we've seen tonight I think today that um, Kunde has expressed that he um, wants to go to Barca and I think they're going to see if they can find the funds. Yeah, I'm surprised they aren't trying to be more creative. Personally, I feel like Koulibaly is a good player, but you look at his age profile; he's 31 years old, and he's always he's one of these centre backs who relies a fair bit on his physicality. Really big guy. He kind of got away with it a bit. I mean, not got away with it, but he wasn't tested like to the max physically in the Serie A with just the style of the league. But um, he'll be interesting in Premier League. Thirty-one-year-old centre back. He's still like he's. I I think he's still got it from what I've seen of him. He has had some tough games against Premier League opponents in the past. Like uh, I think it was uh, was it two games against Liverpool in the group stages one year. I'm not sure. It was mm-hmm. I think it was Champions League where he got rinsed by Salah. Uh, and then there was another game as well, relatively recently, where he didn't do well against Premier League opposition. But um, I think with Thomas Tuchel in charge, I think he'll be okay for him, especially in a three-back. I think he'll be a pretty good signing. Maybe a bit expensive. I think he'll be on big wages, but um, solid player nonetheless. Do you think that was just to just secure him, though? Because obviously there was a lot, looked like there was interest from Juve and stuff in that as well. Yeah, sure. Like, cause mm. They're desperate for setbacks. No, I mean, they've got rid of so many setbacks over the years. They've not let their setbacks kind of grow into first-team positions. And there's so yeah. many young Chelsea kind of products are in the league I think they've kind of realised their fault especially if Christensen and Rudiger both leaving this year yeah. they, they needed to, they needed anyone in really so I think it's one of those ones you just see the guys available for this, this amount and you get them well thinking about Juventus and the pursuit of Koulibaly well today they have agreed terms with Bayern Munich for the sale of Delict. so he's going to be going for somewhere in the region of 60 to 70 mil plus some add-ons so that is quite a hefty sum of money but Juve uh not sorry not Juve Bayern Munich definitely looking to strengthen their squad especially with the fact that they lost Sule to Borussia Dortmund as well so upper Mancano and the Ligt centre-back combination next season for Bayern sounds like a good combination for them yeah maybe maybe even uh they're trying to look at that Champions League again I like Delict a lot. I think he'll be really good for them. I think uh, he didn't really get a primary role at Juve because of their um, Keely Benucci partnership. But I think he'll be really good for Bayern. I, I'd be very surprised if he flops. Very surprised. And the thing is, is he's only 22 and Upamancano's 23. So that is a long-term centre-back combination. I think yeah. that's the way like Bayern like to do things. I think they try to look at the young players like Gravenberch as well, and then cement the sort of future positions. Similar situation with um, Real Madrid as well in the last few sort of years. 
they have been trying to look towards their future. So obviously they brought to Germany this summer. So their midfield sword. Then they've got Diego Militeo and Alaba's obviously older, but still got a fair few years w within him. And then they got Rudiger as well. I think Rudiger is not that too bad of an age. I think he's only about 26, 27, Rudiger. Let me have a quick 27, look. I think, seems right, yeah. Oh, no, 29. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. So, yeah, but even still, like, at the age of 29, you got to look at Thiago Silva, for God's sake, because he's 37 and still playing at a, a top level, so... Well, that's yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? We, everyone was a bit sceptical about him coming to the Prem at his age, and he absolutely—if they didn't have him last year, like he was—he was definitely the sentinel of that defense last year. Yeah, Tiago Silva was ridiculous last year. A person, yeah. I think, is a bit of an exception to the rule of being like an old centre back playing really well. Yeah. But at the same time, I think Rudiger playing when he's twenty-nine for for Real Madrid is going to be a really good signing for the next what at least three years, if not four or five. That's yeah, definitely. Of business. Uh, uh, only other notable name that I want to talk about, which, which isn't a big name, but it's certain something that's worth talking about. Trakosha has gone to Brentford on a free, so bit of an interesting situation there. Obviously, I don't know whether that's to be the new number one goalkeeper or if that's just to play as backup. I think that's got to be starting goalkeeper. I would have thought so. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. I can't see how he'd go from being Lazio's number one to then want to move to be a sub-keeper for Brentford. I don't, yeah. yeah, I'm a bit yeah, surprised exactly. that they, they get him, to be honest. I think surely they'd better suitors now. Like, he's number one for Lazio for a long time. Maybe he's got a Premier League dream and they were the only team offering. Um, but, yeah, I'm a bit surprised Probably. he went to Brentford, to be honest. No disrespect to them. You never really think of goalkeepers having like a Premier League dream, do you? We never really talk about goalkeepers much, I suppose, as we do about other players on the field but yeah it must be a must be a thing that some of them want to come to the prem and i suppose they know that like and people will hate this because they you know a lot of people argue that they don't think it is but they're coming up with some of the best players because it is the best league mm. well only player to be fair is going to have that i don't think every player has that dream but a lot of players will have that dream to want to compete in what is considered the world's best league yeah which it is yeah Let's face it. But other than those for the confirmed ones, it's down now down to transfer rumours. So, like we said, Kempembe possibly being pursued by Chelsea along with everything else. I mean, when it comes to rumours, there's always something being uh, thrown out there. So, like, Zinchenko apparently is now going to be looked at uh, by Arsenal. Okay. Um, a lot of people are suddenly praising him, saying he's a really, really, really good footballer. I, I mean, I he doesn't really get much game time. He's in. He's in the thing is, he's in. He's in a. He's in a team where like they have the fortunate position of ro being able to rotate their right and left backs, um, and sometimes having yeah. to play some of them at centre back. Uh, so that that to me makes me wonder whether you're going to now play Tierney at centre back. I don't know. But. Uh, for me, I think. He's not going to necessarily improve Arsenal starting eleven, but I think he's incredibly good yep. depth. He's a bit similar to Martinez in that way. Uh, he's kind of he can play centre mid and he can play as left back. There, he's going to play two known positions. So I think covering. Mm. Uh, I don't think he'll start for you. Let's be honest. Tierney's definitely a better left back. Maybe a change of system might start as a wing back, but um, but yeah, I don't see him starting. But then again, he'd be really good cover for uh, left back. I mean, Nuno Tavares. Let's face it, he's crap. 
So he'll be a much big upgrade to him. And then in midfield as well, he's he's a solid player to uh, to stick in there if he needs more creativity. I mean, um, I think I think there is something we need to talk about. We need to get maybe some Scottish football transfer news and stuff in here because Crafty is a Hib Hibs fan. So is there anything like transfer rumours or transfer talk you want to talk about oh, with Scottish lots football? Lots going Hibs? on, mate. Lots going yeah. on. Uh, I'll start you off. What, what, what's the big name? Who remembers Aaron Moy? <laughs> Wow, yeah. Yes. Going yeah. to Celtic. A short-term deal to Celtic. Interesting signing, I think. He, he was really good at Brighton for a few years. Then went he's to China. He's a workhorse. I, I don't blame him to China, to be honest. He's not a top-level footballer, so he's going to get paid like 200 grand a week at least over there. So you can't really you know, blame him for that, in my opinion, anyway. But he's now coming back to Europe, mm-hmm. back to Celtic for a year to link Avanj Postacoglu, an Australian manager. So that's interesting. Well, I think he'll be a pretty solid signing for them. Rangers are doing some interesting business as well. They've brought in uh, Ben White, no, not Ben White, sorry, Ben Davis, not the Spurs one, the <laughs> Liverpool one, who's a centre-back oh, okay. Liverpool bought for like a million-ish uh, around, I think it was two years ago from, was it Swans? I can't remember who the club was. It was some championship club they bought, and he was really highly rated for a while. They didn't really, I don't think he ever played a game for Liverpool, but they've bought him for three and a half million, which is great business for Liverpool. Mm. Uh, but interesting he gets on, and then kind of going lower down, um, Hearts are looking at bringing uh, Lauren Shankland, Maybe if you don't know Scottish football uh, too much, you probably won't know the name. But he, for a few years, was absolutely ripping up the championship in Scotland. Was really was pretty solid for Dundee United for a few years. Really good striker. Got some Scotland caps. He's, he's in nice addition. Uh, who have Hibs bringing in? Hibs have brought Aidan McGeady uh, on oh, yeah. from Sunderland. I think it's a pretty good bit of business. He's, he's quite old now. He's 36. But um, I think he'll be able to hack it uh, still at Scottish top level. Uh, some also the, the weird thing about Scotland this year is a lot of clubs are going for the the young uh, kind of young products from different academies route. So, for example, my team Hibs have brought in a Benfica academy player, a Leeds academy player. Uh, we brought in a Gambian player from the uh, from their league. Brought a lot of players kind of of that stature, an under twenty three Aussie international. And uh, it's it's for me it's quite positive. I think a lot of uh, a lot long time Scottish people were kind of stuck in just improving the short term and they're kind of buying developing players and selling them on i feel that's the best way to kind of challenge Celtic rangers to kind of make money through that so i think that's really positive mm. i think aberdeen doing something very similar as well they're bringing a lot of young players through so uh so yeah that's the main things i mean there's probably a few clubs lower down that are going to be angry at me that i haven't mentioned them. but uh, apologies you... but uh, that's kind of the main wrap-up mm. for me do you think as well some of that like uh investing in like some youth is a way of kind of like also maybe making some money in the future Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, for example, for Hibs, we um, we got Josh Doy, who's the left back. Uh, we just sold him for three and a half million to Hells Verona, but yeah. we got him for a compen, a, a compensation free from a rival's hearts. Actually, when he was really young, brought him through and kind of sold him first kind of big bid to come in. And that's kind yeah. of a similar model that a lot of Scottish clubs kind of have to do. Another one's Lewis Ferguson. He uh, left Aberdeen to join Bologna for around three million. That was really mm-hmm. good business. Then you got Aaron Hickey. He was at Hearts uh, two years ago. Joined Bologna for about a million. But they had a significant selling fee, I think. And now he's off to Brentford for around 20 million. So that's another great bit of business. Mm. That business is going very common, actually. Uh, I think it's the way forward for Scottish football. I think if we see ourselves as trying to be a Premier League right now, it's never going to work. Like short-term yeah. success won't equate to kind of the long-term reputation we need. I think kind of trying to mold ourselves like a Portugal or like an Eredivisie uh, league is kind of the way for us. We're never going to have the best teams. We're always going to have like good youth products we can develop and kind of um, bring more notoriety to the league because of it. Yeah, be more notorized yeah, for the players right. that it's produced rather than 
the the the, the sort of or not say quality of football, but the level of football. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're being unrealistic. You think we're ever going to do the Premier League? The money's too much there. Yeah. The stature's yeah, yeah. too yeah, much. Yeah. I think I think any league really trying to compete with the Premier League are going to lose. Even La Liga have lost it a lot recently. Um, and then, well, mm. who's the next place league after La Liga? You could probably say Bundesliga or Serie A, but they're not even close. So yeah, I think it, I think mm. best league in the world is clearly Premier League right now, especially just in terms of everything really, quality football, stature, all that. Mm. Well, talking about you saying about a couple of players going to Bologna. I've read an article recently saying about how uh, Syria clubs are now starting to look to uh, Scotland and Scottish youth and stuff and trying to invest in some of them and turn them into the next like superstars and stuff. So, I mean, if if that does happen, potentially the Scottish national team could reap some benefits and you never know. You could have a, a world-class superstar in the making somewhere. Yeah, for the Scotland national team in like maybe five, ten years' time. Yeah, I, I really like what we're doing actually with Syria because I feel like a long time people would join Scottish League just to try and get to the Premier League or the Championship. But I think that alternative approach kind of almost brings them more kind of publicity, kind of puts yeah. a shine on what they're doing. I feel like, for example, um, I mean, with the Aaron Hickey one, I think he was he could have got a move to maybe like a championship level club, if not like a lower end Premier, like a really low end Premier League club as like a backup. Uh, when he was at heart, it's when he was like, playing when he was like 17, 16. Uh, but that Bologna was kind of just put him over the edge. He, was, he got the most minutes for an, uh, for a teenager in Europe last season, top five leagues, which is pretty wow. ridiculous. A really mm. good stat for him. Uh, and I, I hate to say it as a Hearts player as well, but um, yeah, he's he's a quality player. I did see him for Scotland where he was a bit dodgy in his debut for us, but um, I think that was probably nerves. Really decent player. And I think with players like even Liam Henderson, maybe a lot of people might not have heard of him. But he was at Celtic for a while, kind of went to Italy, some some decent success. And then, uh, yeah, with the two boys joining us, uh, this window is all Josh Doig and Lewis Ferguson. Uh, so, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a really good pathway. I think it's better than the championship because I think they can just get lost in kind of the melee of that league rather than kind of a, yeah. uh, a spotlight putting them. That'll be it for the transfer news. So we're going to go over to our Q&A. Uh, I believe the first one is going to be from Venom. Yep, so the question is, if you had to a opportunity to make your own promo, what would it be uh, if you had a name for it? And what will it do to the cards, etc.? Because, i got to say, EA this year with promos. As time's gone on, the promos had different names, but essentially what they did is the same thing, which is like improving weak foot, skill moves... And then just giving them really juiced up stats. So I yeah, that would be like see... that would be like me saying like, oh, the the a new promo that would be really good would be called U turn, and it's players that don't play in the position they usually do. So yeah. shapeshifters. Mm. But I'm calling it U turn. So <laughs> it's, it's that is that ilk, isn't it? It's exactly what it's exactly what they do. Like it's it's we, we know it. It's it's just stuff recycled. Like hey, we're not going to call them screen cards anymore. What are we going to call them then? I don't know. Rule breakers, we'll break we'll break a rule on one of their stats. Okay, it's you know, yeah, it's just it's the same thing, isn't it? And I think this is a great question. It's something that I think I'd love to like have a little bit more thought behind, like because the first thing when you said it, I thought, oh, well, what I'd like a promo called Baldies, and it's just all <laughs> the bold people in the game get boosted stats, and their heading's always ninety nine, you know. But like actually, like is you know in terms of a promo i mean to be fair we did have november one year um yeah i don't know like yeah. it, it's 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 not you know it's not actually an exciting promo um 
I think like the, I like the way they're venturing with this footies with the hero thing. I'd like to see a uh, I'd like to see a future. This this would have to be at the end of a game as well. But I'd like to see a future icon. So as well as future stars, I'd like to see a future icon. Uh, where they get a, basically an icon card that links to everybody, but it's someone who's kind of guaranteed like that card. So essentially, I suppose what I'm saying here is it's end of an era, but as an icon card and boosted, probably more boosted than end of an era cards, depending on what stage of the game they get them. Yeah, I really like that idea. That's That's a really good one. For me, the only one I can really think of that would be quite cool is maybe something like, uh, they could call it the Beast promo, okay? Beast as in B-E-A-S-T. That actually makes it sound a bit weird. But um, you know what they did for the Akin Fenwa card, the end of era? Do that. Mm. There's something similar to a lot of like the slow, unusable kind of big cards. You know, like, for example, uh, Harry Maguire. Give him, I knew you were say it. I knew you were say give him a fast center back card. Give him a fast center back card. Give him like just give him a boost all right. You know what I'm saying? Make him usable. Same I with, knew like, that was the name coming out of your mouth. Give I him knew something. It. Who else is there? Uh, there's a set. Uh, Lukaku, Rodri, maybe. I don't know. Give, basically, people give people who are like strong and slow. Give them a pace upgrade. Maybe even a skill move here or there. Who knows? And that guy. That, that goalkeeper that was eating a pie at the game. <laughs> um, what was his name? He should get an icon card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do like that. I do like that. But I, I think that's that's where like they do open it out to be able to do them sort of things in any promo. They just choose not to. They choose to recycle the same old players. I mean, I would like to see a promo involving icon cards and just being able to actually give some of the lower end ones or the ones that are deemed unusable so let's take for example an alan shearer right alan shearer premier league all-time goal scorer and his card is unusable mm. like it's unjustifiable with someone like that but the problem is is they tried to make the stats realistic to what he was in real life but i think if you make the icon cards juiced up for a small period of time you release them as an SBC or something like that at least then it gives you an opportunity to use icons that you wouldn't normally use I personally like, you... agree with that in a way other than the fact that I think if they're going to continue with this the way they've done icons then I think those particular icons need to just go like they should be dead wood gone because no one's using them. We don't even... It's not even like you get to a certain point in the year and they're not usable. Like, this year was the worst of any years because come Shapeshifters, no real icon was that usable unless it was, like, a Prime Icon Moments Huller, a Prime Icon Moments Pele, or a Prime Icon Moments R9 or Ronaldinho. Like, it was only the top, top-tier players that were, um, yeah, that were basically any good to be able to be used around that time otherwise icons were out of this game way before the game was even finished and i find that really mm. like poor on their part of having something like an icon and that being the case so i think either they need to get rid of dead wood or they need to boost icons so much that they do the prime icons they do the prime icon moments they do the babies but when they do them they really do make them fit in with where the game is at 
Like they really boost them to mm. make it in keeping with the game because this year Primark on moments was relevant for about a month. I I've, I've thought of another promo sort of idea, which is nation change. So say for instance you've got like um, Keen and his hero card, you make him an Ivory Coast player instead of an <laughs> Irish player, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, uh, then you get I trying to think I, get, I was going to say Drogba for Ivory Coast but I was trying to actually go with someone who's a non-icon so maybe someone like Kessie Do and I... then you make him Irish so you basically take the two nations switch them around then you could take I was going to say you could like, do that with Declan Rice but that might upset a few people you could take maybe something like the an English player and switch it around with a Danish player so that the colours are the other way around so then you could have I don't know, Schmeichel is English and then Pope becomes Danish or something like that. So you're switching it around and just having a bit of a a fun one. But I don't think uh, EA and fun truly go hand in hand. Not not until they get to this point. And really, that's because they've made their money by then. They don't care, do they? I Um, think for that one as well, there might be some sort of licensing issues. Yeah, there probably is. There's probably something that stopped them from doing it before. I really like the idea, to be fair. What would be licensing issues, though? Because surely you could just go up to the player and be like, hey, can we just make your card thing? But surely, like, no. If a person in real life is going to take offence from being switched from, like, English to Danish for one card, I'd be like, come on. Come on, get a life. I get where you're coming from, but I feel like if they think there's money to be made in a lawsuit, they're going to do it. I, yeah, I, can, I can understand. I can understand for the club, maybe and stuff, but I can't imagine it for the the nation nor nationality side of things. Someone, someone, gotta, someone makes money off that somewhere. Yeah, but you got to think, right? So, um, Antonio, right? He's changed his nation to Jamaica, but you still pack him, and he's English. So if there was such a problem with nationality, surely his card would have already changed to Jamaican. True. He is like the exception to the rule. But he is Jamaican. Oh, well, no, it's not ju- it's ju- right. right. There's well, there's more than just him though, isn't there? There's there was a couple of others because there was somebody else that had a special card that was a different nation, but I can't remember who it was. Um. But yeah, I think there was. Luke would one. know. Yeah. Luke would know. This is the kind of thing that Luke would have at the back of his head. In terms of FIFA knowledge, but yeah, there there was somebody else. But yeah, moving on to the next question, which is coming from Luke actually himself. So he's asked, "What place almost feels like a second home to you? Could be a city or a specific location, like a golf course, etc." <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. We certainly know that Brad likes playing golf, judging by his YouTube channel. Yeah, when I get the rare opportunity. Where where would you want to call your second home, Crafty? Where would you want? For to call me, your it's a home? relatively easy one. Um, so I'm a big Scotland fan. I'm basically a kind of the equivalent of a season ticket for the best part of now, what maybe 14 years. So I've been to so many games at Hamden, even though it's not a great stadium. I've just had so many good memories there and I just relish it every single time I go. So that's probably where I'd say Hamden Park for either a Scotland game or a, or a Hibs semi-final or a cup final is uh, is my uh, second home, I'd say. 
Okay. Yes. Um, mine's actually gonna be, and this is gonna be like, I don't know. It's gonna seem a little bit like, um, like I suppose in a way, I feel like it's gonna sound like I'm bragging, but I'm definitely not. Um, is gonna be Orlando, uh, in Florida. Um, so f- I was fortunate enough that when I was around about eleven or twelve, my parents bought a timeshare there. Um, so we went every every two years, um, and just something about going back. Well, going there every two years, but when we went there, I just felt like it was like going home. Like, I knew everything so well, and I really, like, it just had a nice feel for me. Um, that, yeah, that I basically, it just felt like, uh, literally felt like a second home. So, yeah. Orlando for me. For myself, I've got the jokey answer and I've got the serious answer. So, the jokey answer is Tesco's. <laughs> <laughs> just because I work there. Um,. Then the serious answer, mainly because I grew up in my young childhood there, so from the probably around the age of five to about what was it? So until about the age of twelve, I lived in Norfolk. Hey. I lived in Fetford, so That's not that Norfolk. would probably be what I'd call my spiritual second home. I like it over there. I think the thing is, is I'd actually quite like to live there again because I think with the forest and stuff and for the kids, there's probably a, a little bit more to do. I know I live in the city, so there is a few things to do and stuff, but I always think living on the outskirts of a town with a forest and almost partially country lifestyle versus the city lifestyle, I think is a little bit better. Yeah, I get that. Then... GH has got a, in some ways, a heat-related question because of the heat that we get in here. Okay. So he's asked, would you rather live somewhere like Kuwait, so basically a really hot country, Dubai, could be anywhere hot, and get used to the heat, or would you prefer to live somewhere that never has any heat? Well, everywhere there is heat, like GH, right? You can't live somewhere that's permanently under... Well, I suppose in Antarctica, but I don't think you really want to live there. But in terms of like where there's civilization, there's always going to be eventually a point where the temperature gets above zero, basically. GHC. Yeah, I mean the closest like, like in in a, in thinking about that, but not necessarily due to heat is like Iceland, but like apparently like mm. their depression rates are like through the roof because there's not there's like less daylight there, so that doesn't sound fun. Um. So yeah, vitamin D, you know, everyone wants it. So I would say I'd, if I had to choose, and I don't think it's actually a choice that I would want to choose, I'd have to choose Kuwait. I'd be the same. I think going somewhere warm is like, as much as it'd be a bit uncomfortable first month, maybe, I think you just get used to it. I know a lot of people who've kind of like been all around the world, have like lived in Dubai, even some people in my stream uh, live in like the Middle East. And like they wouldn't, they barely even talk with the heat, whereas like there it's probably like, what, 40 degrees, uh, see the whole time so i don't know yeah. i feel like once you're there for long enough you'll probably just get used to it and it'll just be like second nature not only that as well we're just not we're just not prepared for it like we don't we don't have anything in place here really for this sort of humidity not unless you're rich you know yeah yes like, that's it and, the indoors that's, that's that's exactly it like indoors today even though outside was like 30 something degrees my indoors was worse despite having the fans on, just because of how hot it is. 
Well, that's it. Because our houses are built for cold winter days for keeping the heat in. Yes. But then the problem is, is in the hot summer days, which, let, let's face it, uh, I remember it, what, when I was like a kid in the 90s and stuff, it was never like this. Like, the hottest it got was maybe like a 27 degrees or something like that. Yeah. In the summertime. But now it's like getting into the 40s now in summer times and th- that's just such a big difference in a space of 20 25 years yeah so and god knows what it's going to be like but yeah our houses have been always built as brick houses for over a century and a half essentially to help keep the houses warm but at the same time our houses haven't been adapted to these warm summers no. so that that we don't have aircon so like all hot countries have aircon or if you're in australia they build the houses normally a bit above the ground so like it can be cooled off from underneath so like the it just dissipates under the floor yeah so we like have like stone floors on a ground floor and stuff like that so yeah it's a bit unpleasant we need aircon but it's an expensive thing, aircon. Yeah, no, exactly. If it really. was if it was more readily available here, then it would be a, it would be fine, wouldn't it? But it's not. It's mm. you're only you've got to be earning a certain amount or be you know have a certain amount of spare money to be able to do it. Um, but hopefully, like with time, it is going to be something that becomes more common. Um, like yeah. like the way like we're now going to sort of start seeing with electric cars, like based on what is what is now happening with that in five years' time, obviously they're going to stop manufacturing um, petrol cars, and so it'll be the same thing. Like at the moment, if you went to go and try and buy an electric car, it's still really expensive. But in yeah. five years' time, because of the way the market's going, we're probably going to have another two hundred models of electric car. Um, yeah, so hopefully, exactly. if everyone starts seeing that this is the way climate change is going, this is this is now a forever thing. Yes, we do. We're true style British summer. We only ever get it for about four weeks a year, but those four weeks are pretty unbearable. Um, then maybe, yeah, maybe it'll start becoming more common. But we definitely need it. Okay. So yesterday on my stream, there was a discussion about F1 races and like locations on continents and stuff, and the fact that. There's an F1 race currently on every continent except for Africa. And GH was like, oh, why don't they bring um, an F1 race to the uh, or F1 race on the calendar for an, in Africa? Whether it's like South Africa or one of like, maybe Morocco, Egypt, whoever has the facilities to do it. But previously, South Africa has hosted one. And I was like, oh, but it's to do with, like, the costs and stuff like that. And it's also to do with the fan base and being able to recoup money and stuff. Do you think that F1 should try and get a African race back on the calendar? I'm a bit split on it, right? Because I can understand it. The main argument for it, right, is, one, Africa's a region which has basically barely had any motorsport in it, especially kind of on a world, world stage like F1. And two... Mm-hmm. Is it's not really a world championship if you completely exclude a part of the world or part of the world, which I can, I get the argument, and I feel like if they do do it, it'll be one of these ones where the F1 will self-fund it. So the way, for example, the traditional circuits work, like Silverstone, Austria, whatever, they, they all basically pay F1 to host the race. But recently, F1 yeah. being expanded more. For example, Miami, where F1 has self-funded that Grand Prix, they didn't pay for it. Miami didn't pay for it. It was F1 
you paid uh, all the licenses, you made the track, everything. So that I feel mm. like they might go down that route. Although then again, Kailami does have its own track in South Africa, so maybe F1 would kind of just kind of pay to race there, or maybe they do it for a cut price. But um, I'm mm. a bit, I'm a bit interested. I think it'd be nice to see. I think I'd like to, like to see it once, see what it's like, and then kind of go off the back of that. Personally, mm-hmm. there is rumors that it will be at Kailami uh, by 2023, but uh, I think nothing's been confirmed on that front. But yeah, it's, it's interesting for me. Uh, I feel like I'd like to see it once year it develops and kind of go from there. Yeah, I think it is something that could potentially be done, but I, I generally think it is not really a financially viable thing because, like, I think trying to recuperate the money on that continent would be generally quite hard because you got to think how many people would be willing to travel that far like you got you got to rely mostly on local travel or more than anything i'd say because like traveling to there similar to like saying trying to encourage europeans to go all the way to australia for the australian grand prix but luckily you know there's going to be a big fan base and they can get a lot of australians to go to there or asian people or something like that whereas and i feel to get people to go to Africa and get enough people to go to Africa to recuperate the costs is a bit of a harder task. And I think that kind of race would be a loss maker more than anything. So I think generally, and I this is my argument, the reason it got, there had to be a reason it got taken off the calendar in the first place. And I reckon it was a, a financial situation where it just didn't, it was not financially viable anymore. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that argument. I feel like the um, fan base probably isn't quite there in South Africa. I think one thing that would definitely pique uh, Africa's interest in Formula One would be a driver from Africa. That would be something I'd really like to see. I uh, see that could be a good level. Like, look at Verstappen, for example, bringing all the Dutch fans going back into F1 uh, for a long time. There was, the, well, you never saw any of the the, uh, the smoke bombs or like the orange uh, hats or whatever, but now you see them everywhere. So uh, I feel like it's mm. something like that could happen for like I don't know Morocco, South Africa, Algeria, whatever, any country. I feel like I would pique a lot of Africa's interest, and maybe there would be a market for it. Right now, it's definitely it would be an experimental race. Uh, I think I think they exactly. they do be expecting a loss, but uh, just doing it to kind of like in, kind of gauge what they have out there. I would mm. be slightly surprised if they did. I think I would like to see it, but I'd be a bit surprised if they did because usually F1 are all about the kind of like the quick wins, really financially. That is going to be it for this week's questions in the Q and A. So thank you, Crafty, for appearing on the podcast this week. You can find him over on Twitch, YouTube, TikTok. He's got Twitter socials. Do you have Instagram socials as well? I do, but I never use it, honestly. Just follow me on Twitter and, uh, and that. That'll do, that'll do. Yeah, exactly. So I'll put all his links down below. I hope you've uh, enjoyed coming on the podcast this week. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, mate. Thanks for having me, honestly. It's been a great time. No problem at all. It's been good, man. Yeah. Brad, thank you for coming back this week to the podcast. Yeah, that's all right. I'm now going to go and lay and uh, probably spray myself with some water and lay in front of the fan, I think. <laughs> Don't blame you. I'm going to be turning the fan on straight after the recording, as I'm sure probably Crafty might be doing that as well, unless he's already had the fan on the whole entire time. Even though I can't hear it. No, I, I don't have a fan, to be honest. I just have all the windows open. 
Oh my god! Wow. It's not as warm in Scotland. I think it peaked at thirty-one today. I think for you guys, it's a bit, bit more warm. It's actually been quite nice, borderline unbearable, but quite nice. Ah, uh, maybe we need to move to Scotland then. Yeah, it's a place to be. Good, good. Place to be. But yeah, that is it for this week's episode of the Free Foot Tears podcast. We'll be back next week with the FIFA 23 news, more footies, and transfer news. So, and Luke will be back as well for the normal schedule. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Brad and Crafty, for appearing. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye.